0: Good job, hon. We were like, what song you wanna do? Let's pick one we've not done in three years and uh, since we're amongst friends. Hey, babe, can you just introduce us?
1: I'm Marley. No, Um, so I said last night we live in Grand Rapids. Um, Our daughter is 23. She just graduated from Moody Bible a year ago. And um, she graduated with biblical studies and an emphasis in music, and now she's kind of doing part-time worship leading and working at a coffee roaster house. Because I said, you've always wanted to do it your whole life, now's the time to do it. Go do that fun thing. After she graduated from college, she um, had about four job offers all in Florida, and so we thought she was going to end up in Florida. And uh, one day she came to me and she said, I think what I've decided to do is stay home and buy a puppy. And I said, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. And then I promptly drove her to the puppy store and helped her finance a puppy. So we we have two puppies now. And um, and then our son is 20, and he is sophomore year of college. He's looking at chiropractic maybe, we'll see, um, and, and really gifted at music as well. So um, we're just really blessed to be here. And our whole ministry is... Encouraging the church. Our mission is to see the lost saved, and the saved made stronger. So that's what. The, yeah, you like that, and that cool. Our son came up with that a few years ago. He goes, "This is what we're about." I said, "Thank you. Now I know what my goal is." Yeah, what's our mission statement? So this is going to be a great study, and we we picked this about a year ago, right? You did. <laughs> well, was. What but, was I, but I liked it. It was what was on my heart and then we just kind of had a crazy year of learning about this topic of spiritual warfare, never knowing what was coming our way. And so it really was God's prompting. So I'm really excited to hear what you're going to say. Don't take any of my stuff, okay?
0: Whenever we do this, we purposely don't talk to each other about what we're going to talk about. I mean, we have the topic, right? But uh, it's interesting how the Holy Spirit works, and we, we work tandem. And so... All the good points the Holy Spirit gives me and all the uh, good points I that the Holy Spirit gives me I give to Marley and then she teaches those Um, I am absolutely kidding you Um, but uh, it's just it's just neat to see how it all works out this topic is called warring well warring well the the battle in the spiritual realm and it's gonna be a positive study in case you're wondering it's like sounds kind of heavy Kind of feels like the way the humidity feels. Spiritual warfare. But hey, folks, we're on the winning side. So this is all good stuff. And uh, um, you know, you can't see that awesome graphic, but there's one right there. Uh, Just kind of squint your eyes, and isn't that awesome? Uh, You see a a battle going on of what I thought looked like a spirit realm. Um, But uh, warring well, fighting the battle in the spirit realm. Uh, Hit the next slide there, Jesse, or uh, Caleb. I'm sorry. You guys look alike. You must be brothers. Uh, Is there a slide there? Oh, I use bad colors. All right. We're going to hit five points, um, and we'll hit them so we don't need to see them, right? So uh, let's open with prayer. Let's do that. Thank you, Lord, for your presence with us. Thank you for the friend that you are as the Holy Spirit that you make good on your promise where we are gathered in your name. You promise to be in the front row. Thank you. Thank you. I pray that you guide our words to this study. Anything that is not scripturally lined up, strike it from the ears of those that are here. And Lord, just have your way however you want this to go. And uh, help us start with my heart, Lord, and what you want to speak to me and to apply to me. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. All right. um, I'm here to tell you some of the best arguments that Marley and I have ever had in our 32 years have been on Sunday morning. You know what I'm talking about? We're on our way to church, and uh, this is our 31st year of concert ministry. We've done concert ministry starting our first year of marriage. Um, but I, we did serve two churches, one for three years and one for six in that 31 years, uh, of which I went back to seminary and became a pastor, fought the Lord on that. I said, no, that's okay. I want to do music. And he said, no, that's okay. I want you to be ordained. I said, no, that's okay. You know, you know how that conversation is. So I went to seminary, finished up, got ordained uh, while I was serving this church as the associate pastor. Uh, about 600 people, and just a few months after I got ordained, the senior pastor died suddenly on a cruise. And I'm like, wow, now what? Well, this makes sense, how the Lord guides you sometimes and when you don't really see the future, but he does. And the youth pastor and I just love that church family for that year. And we continued to serve that church family for probably another four and a half years. Um, and uh, in 2016, I think it was, uh, Marley was ordained as a minister. Um, we, we've got a good friend in, in Patsy Claremont. I don't know if you know her. She's Women of Faith, and um, actually, Marley and her family grew up with them. And her dad was the pastor of Patsy and Les and and Patsy said, please do that, Get, because it's not about leading people as a woman. It's about people knowing that you've studied God's word with good people watching and learning from. And so, uh, so however the Lord wants to use our ministry is, is uh, what we want. So, in those times, when we, every, all 52 Sundays were in concert, other than the last three months. <laughs> this has really been weird. Um, And we can talk later about how God just absolutely provided and encouraged us. Um, But uh, whether going to a concert or going to church, especially when the kids were young, all these arguments would start on Sunday morning. And I would say something, you know, encouraging, like, shut up. We're about to go to church. Don't make me come back there. I'll give you something to cry about. You know, something the Lord just gave me to help encourage my kids. Words of life, and it's, you know, you know where I'm getting. Satan, Satan's sabbatical, Satan's Sabbath is not Sunday. He works extra hard on Sundays, okay? And I'm here to say his job is to discourage us as God's people. And if you know it's coming, you can actually handle it okay, unlike the way I used to handle it in the flesh. And, um, but I don't know about you, some of our best arguments we can pin on Sunday mornings are just about ready to be introduced. No, that dress looks stupid. I can't believe you. Hey! Welcome. You know, and, but even coming to camp, raise your hand if you had some unique obstacles just getting here this week. Okay, quite, quite a few hands. Quite a few hands. Oh, that's an obstacle. Oh, did that happen just recently? Oh, you need to teach this. <laughs> She's got a cast. Oh, I hope you learned something about being more careful. No. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. All right. Well, wow. We had some obstacles too. About a week ago, we got a, a Facebook message from a neighbor we've never met because they're four doors down. We've only been in this neighborhood about seven years. And don't lay, a, don't lay a guilt trip on me. The houses are pretty far apart, about 20 feet. So it takes a while to get around to all the neighbors. We're gone all the time. I'm sure they think we're into something illegal. <laughs> they're always <laughs> taking a bus with them. They're pulling a trailer. They've got to be doing something illegal which by the way, talking about trailer, just talking about God's goodness, we were at a conference all last week in Indianapolis and our trailer was broken into. First time in 31 years. I don't know if you guys have ever encountered such a horrible feeling when you walk out and you see this crowbar and you see pieces and uh, we've got about uh, uh, about $20,000 worth of equipment. Uh, these speakers and these, and I had all of this with me in Indianapolis, but all of it was set up inside nothing was in the trailer other than a couple carts that they didn't want they didn't want to be walking around with a cart and uh, but just the night before our son was with us because he ran lights um, for this conference and uh, just the night before we were we were saying we should load up this one sound system that we're not using anymore because we had a couple rooms going and I said yeah I'm tired he goes, yeah me too but that's the Lord taking care of us. And uh, so our neighbor, our neighbor Mandy texts us. And you know when a text, it's tough. Texting is difficult. I don't like texting because you don't know the emotion behind it. You know, hey, you want to come to dinner? No. Oh, that hurts my feelings. But maybe the person's in a rush and that's all they could say, right? So Mandy goes, your trailer is always in the way of your cars. We've got a lot of cars because we've got two young adults at home as well. So there's four vehicles in our drive. And it's our drive, but our sidewalk was blocked. So their kids couldn't ride on the sidewalk, which is the safe place to, uh, to, to ride. So we, we get it. But she came out swinging. And uh, Joel was talking about being the middle child. I am too. And I went, oh, I feel so bad that she thinks right out from the start, she's gonna get a fight from us. So we knew that, uh, and, and but this is what I thought of. We're teaching on spiritual warfare. I, I thought of this. Oh, and Satan's picking a fight. This isn't this woman. It's Satan trying to throw us off track. It happens all the time. So it went back and forth and back and forth and she uh, lovingly, Marley communicated, yeah, we, you know, we'll, we'll do what we can. Right from the start, we'll do what we can She ended up going down to the city uh, offices and printed out, I mean, it was, you're illegal. And I said, we gotta go down there because um, um, millennials like to text and not be face to face. So I said, what we need is a face to face and take her out of her element. And so we went up, she was sitting outside and we said, hi, and we introduced ourselves and she was taken back a little bit, and I just said, listen, we love this neighborhood. We've never met you. You have kids. We get it. We have kids. Uh, they're grown now. I want to solve this problem. And you just pour it on the love, and, and every day since I've been driving by her house, she waves, hey. you know. But you, you, you put some of that spiritual fire hose on those kind of situations, and you, it's tough sometimes. Because the flesh, and we're gonna talk a lot about this this week, just wants to rise up. Yeah, and go, who Who, who, do, who are you? That's that's my driveway, you know? You, you get all this these thoughts, but there's a war going on. The first question, there's a series of four questions I'm gonna pose between today and tomorrow, then the good speaker's gonna take off on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, okay? But I'm gonna set up a foundation for some awesome stories and some application that she's gonna bring. Uh, but the, So I'm posing four questions and then some application, hopefully, tomorrow at this time. First one is, there's a war going on? That's the question. A lot of our brothers and sisters in Christ, that's a foreign thought, and they're asking that. War? What, there, really? There's a war going on. Oh, okay. And so to understand the battle of spiritual warfare, we need to begin with acknowledging that we're in a war, and it's Okay but that's what's happening. And uh, battles, physical battles, they make up smaller components of a bigger picture. Uh, By definition, battles involve combat between two persons, factions, between armies, and they consist of any type of extended contest, struggle, or controversy, as Webster says. So as Christians, we're in a spiritual battle of some sort on a daily basis. In warfare, battles are fought on different fronts, different reasons, and with varying degrees of intensity as we know. The same is true in our spiritual warfare. Our spiritual battles in the warfare are real even though we cannot physically see the attacker. But we can educate ourselves on how battles are fought and how they impact our lives every day. So victory is achieved by knowing believing and understanding the battles that we are enduring regardless if we're passive in this battle or if we're active in this battle. So we're one of two things. If you think of a a word that starts with V-I-C-T, we're either victors or we're victims. We're either victors every day in these little battles going on that we don't see or we're victims. And whenever I'm a victim and know it, I kind of bite the apple and I'm like, oh, I could just picture Satan just laughing. I'm a victim. I fell for it in the flesh, in the physical realm, I fell for it. And I should have left it where it was in the spirit realm and address it the way our Lord tells us to, right? So one day we'll enjoy all the glories and benefits of the kingdom of heaven. Aren't you glad about that? I love singing about heaven. It's, uh, it's a destination I just can't wait for. And I say, come, Lord Jesus, right? But Jesus, when he was here, says the kingdom is now. I've got stuff for you to do now. And it's not about just getting through this time until we see each other face to face. It's he wants us to be an integral part. And Russ and I were talking a little bit beforehand and just our different ministries. And sometimes you just don't know. Is, is this landing on the hearts of anybody? oh, I sang that song and maybe I shouldn't have or maybe I shared this scripture and maybe it was out of context. You know, you just don't know. The more you minister, the more you have questions, I guess is, is, our, our, is what I think. And, but God, you have to trust that God is doing things in the kingdom, that uh, you, don't, you don't have to be in a full-time ministry to be used in God's kingdom. Most of this work is done By us going to regular jobs and loving on real people around us so there's kingdoms at war so there's definitely a difference between the physical and the spiritual hopefully you've got that right now all right i want to look at a scripture colossians let's see if we could see this not going to have any slides okay they were deleted Oh, the whole thing crashed. I have the thumb drive, but yeah, baby. Just grab my um, black, um, uh, what's it called, bag? I think I'm going to grab a Bible over here. Well, you could bring it to me if you just talk amongst yourselves uh, <laughs> this is all a part of the study it's a test actually yeah this one and it just uh, we'll see if we can reload it if not we'll we'll chalk it up to satan not wanting us to learn this but we're going to anyway warfare My glasses are somewhere <laughs> they're in a safe place they're in a they're in that bag i think yeah, did you take it back there i i need a I need a vanilla latte as well <laughs> since since you're back there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we said we've done this 31 years. Actually, this is the first week. Actually, um, I'm glad we've been here before and we're amongst friends. Look at you. Um, it might be the one, I don't know. I'm going to read it here though. If, uh, if, <laughs> if you can see that one better, um, I need to talk with you after. <laughs> Thank you, Jess, this isn't, this isn't the system, it's just, uh, oh, the TVs are great, oh, uh, I hope you get blessed back there, all right. <laughs> if, and this is a big if, we're ever invited back, I'm going to have handouts, virus or not, I'm going to do handouts. Okay, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Ugh. That's Colossians 1, 13 and 14. And then verse 16 of that same chapter, it says, for through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. That's a great picture of the unseen world around us and how it's, it's not just as real, it's more real than what we see. That was uh, verse 16. So it's Colossians 1, 13, 14, and 16. And then I want to look at John 18:36. So I'll hope to clearly give you these references if you're just taking notes to jot them down. John 1836 says this in the New Living." Jesus answered, "My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders." but my kingdom is not of this world. So he, here we understand this situation in in the garden and where his disciples were still thinking it's physical. We <laughs> we're, we're going to just kick some Roman tail, right? And establish ourselves in the physical. And we had a privilege of being in the Holy Land just a couple years ago and to see, to walk in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and a lot of the trees there are over 2,000 years old, so you just speculate, which one of these trees did Jesus cry like tears of sweat, drops of blood, you know, and um, just really quite amazing um, that his, his disciples still weren't getting it. But Jesus clarified, oh, Oh, if this was my kingdom, my my disciples would fight. But that's that's not what this is about. This is, my kingdom's not of this world. So if you think about God's word, the people of God, we talked a lot about, uh, even in the Bible study this morning, the people of God. Uh, When you look at the Old Testament, there were a lot of physical battles. Uh, God would say, okay, go into that land. Oh, before you go... There's a lot of enemies in there. <laughs> you've got to just uh, uh, defeat them. That's all you got to do. you just got to defeat them, and you've got to defeat them. They'll move out. Make sure you kill all of them, and then I'll give you your land. Why didn't God just take his mighty hand and go, whew, okay, they're gone, go? Even then, this active part in God's plan is that we participate. Now, does he leave us alone? Oh, my goodness. All those battles were God miracles, and you know them well. We talked about, I think, Gideon. Uh, golly, he just kept reducing his warriors, God did, and t- you know, so that not a person could take credit for the victory. Nobody could. Once they stood there and watched the, the victory, they have to say, God, it's you. So it's all about God. From beginning to end, it's all about God, but he wants us involved. So when we look at the New Testament and we see his people as he's teaching them as our Messiah and leading them, they're oppressed physically. I mean, they're, they're under the heel of the, of the Romans. They're not in any position physically to take over, but Jesus said, oh, that's not what this is about. This is, it's a new kingdom. It's, it's new rules, and you're going to watch me work in the spiritual realm, and that's what's exciting. It's all about God, um, especially after Acts 2 when they're given the Holy Spirit and his power, and we'll check some of those examples. So uh, go to, go to uh, 1 John 2. John 2, verse 13. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. I'm talking spiritually. I'm going to jump to verse 14. Oh, just a, a sentence down. Uh, I have written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I have written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your hearts and you have won your battle with the evil one. Okay, what's that referring to? He's talking about his followers and he's saying you won your battle. That's the initial battle. That's salvation. That's salvation. That's the first battle that you need to win in the spirit realm. Hopefully, we're all here as victors for that first battle, the battle for our souls, right? When we said yes to Jesus, and we felt in the spirit realm being created as new creatures, we are forgiven, and we have the seal of the Holy Spirit and promise of heaven. That's the first battle. Then, let's look over to Ephesians 6. Again, I'll read this clearly, if you want to just uh, listen and just write the references, that's up to you. But Ephesians 6:10 through 12, and a familiar passage. And he says, "A final word: be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil." For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly realms. So he's telling us, okay, believers, my followers, my children, good job, you won the first battle, Uh, you are mine. Now put on the whole (laughs) armor of God because there's, there's more battles there are going to be more times where you need to be fully equipped to handle uh, the wiles of the devil. Now, you may be sitting here today and thinking, I have enough stress in the physical world <laughs> to think of a spiritual world constantly. <laughs> Do you know the problems I have that, that I'm dealing with, with the family dynamic and all that's going on, certainly with COVID? Uh, and, and, I, and I'm saying maybe, just, just maybe, uh, those physical problems are accentuated because we're avoiding the spiritual uh, problems, right? And seeing it for for what it is, um, just like our neighbor, that really could have, really could have sidetracked us, and we just really would have heavy hearted more than we were. But we knew, oh my goodness, yeah, we could have expected that. We're about to go in and teach on spiritual warfare. You can expect things in the spiritual realm. So. Um, so things get easier as you have the right perspective. I love that theme because it's going to keep coming back. If we have the right perspective, uh, Jesus says, actually, my yoke is easy. My burden's light if you do it my way. Now, you could do it your way, but it's going to be hard. It's going to be heavy. It's going to be draining. So we're called to faith. I mean, that's, that's what it's called. We have faith. <laughs> so faith is what? Having confidence in things you don't see, right? In Hebrews 11.3, it says, By faith we understand the entire universe was formed at God's command. We have to have faith. We weren't there. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. I love that. It's just there's so much out there, and you need faith. He's saying, if I just show you everything, you're going to die. We're not, that's not the plan. It's not about showing you things. So as Christians, we're asked to believe with the eyes of our heart. Think about that. More than the eyes of our head. There's things to see with our physical eyes, but as believers, there's more to see, more important things to understand with the eyes of our heart. And you know when Jesus said to Thomas, you believe because you've seen me. Good. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. It's more blessed. It's more blessed. When we think of this spiritual realm — and I'm, I often think of it, you know, there's three heavens: the first heaven, the second heaven, third heaven — We're on this physical plane. Above us, somewhere, in this realm, without our eyes being able to see it, is a spiritual realm. Uh, the first in heaven, you know, demons can go back and forth. Angels can go back and forth. There's a lot of fighting going on in that first realm, okay? As we think of um, different people in Scripture, just name some people who got to have a peek into that realm. Anybody? Paul, John. John's a big one with Rev. Elijah. Enoch, good. Stephen, right before he died. God gave him, what a great distraction that would have been <laughs> seeing Jesus standing. Not sitting at his throne, standing going, it's okay, it's okay. Come. Wow. Any others? Oh, yes. Daniel. Um, I think of the shepherds um, that were invited to the birthday party. Um. All of a sudden, this host of angels, this choir is formed above their heads. How did they not just freak out at the sight alone, but they're singing, wow, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. So some people have had a peak. There's a pole there, like Samson. No. Um. Some people have had the privilege of having a peak, which is really quite amazing. But Jesus says, blessed are those who believe and have not seen that realm." I have not seen that realm, and I want to be called blessed. In fact, if you're a believer that is skeptical and really doesn't believe anything unless you see it, there's a there's a there's a term for that. You're an agnostic. That's an ugly term. In the natural, it makes sense, but we we need to. We're God is beckoning us. He's urging us to believe in things we don't see, because He said it. It's done. It's there. I believe it. Um. So I don't want to be an, an agnostic. Marley and I were traveling somewhere. Uh, with our r v uh, across the states we 've been to all the all the states before before we don 't like no i 'm kidding um, just just happened to work out that way, but we're coming across the middle of the states i i i 'm pretty sure it was Missouri, and i 'm tooling along making good time, and we 're getting hungry so I said, babe, you know can you make something if I pull off at a rest area? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah and actually she was going to heat something up. I remember that. Correct me if if you think the details are different. Uh and I have this book that you know, back before apps tells you everything at every exit. It's called the Exit Book. And there's new ones each year uh, as they add new things, but I had this book and while I'm driving, I turned don't don't do this if but I turned to the area we were to see what was coming up. And I noticed there's not an exit for, I think it was 10 miles or 12 miles to pull off. And I said, Mar, can you wait about 10 or 12 miles? Then it'll be safe to pull off and and we can turn the stove on, heat up the spaghetti or whatever's going on. And uh, she said, oh, sure, 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 sure. So I put the book down and I looked up that book has never been wrong. The updated book has never been wrong. All the years we've traveled, I look up and says, rest area, rest area. So I pull in, I go, here's a rest area. I stop, she goes, oh great, I'll get stuff out. I pull off, I get my book out, I look, I double check it. I look, that rest area is not in my book. So I put it down, I go, huh a little mad I paid $15 for that book. It failed me. So we eat. I use the restroom. We refresh. We get things put away. Here we go. Got to keep going. We ramp on. As soon as we ramp on, we stop. And there's like two cars in front of us in this horrible accident. It was hard to see. It was just starting to get nighttime. But I knew it was really bad. It, it, I, I saw a semi-flipped, and uh, I thought I saw a pickup truck. But we were stopped instantly coming out of that. So with only two or three or four cars in front of us, um, I instantly said, thank you, Lord, for providing for us. Because I don't know how long this accident had, had occurred, uh, but we could have been in that. and in. And in your goodness and grace, you you might have just had us get off at that time. So we sat there, and Marley said, "Why is that, is that bad?" I said, "Yeah, it looks bad." And our kids were younger, so I said, "Don't don't have them I come up here," uh, because I I did see uh, after ambulances and everything got there, they I saw them take a blanket and cover a body in the median. And uh, and I just I said, just keep the kids entertained and this might be a while. So we were just sitting there for two or three hours. I, we saw a helicopter come in, take off. So we knew it was bad. So we just, whenever, even to this day, when we hear sirens as we're traveling, God allowed us to hear the sirens. So we activate our prayers and say, Lord, whatever's going on with this person, whatever kind of emergency, first of all, uh, restore their life. I pray that's not a, an issue that results in death, but bring peace and comfort, because God allowed you to hear that siren, you know, as you start thinking of things. Uh, in the spirit realm, hey, you might be there to pray. Don't miss your opportunity. So we, we, we move on. We get to our destination that next day, uh, slept, got up, started traveling, and I got a, a, a phone call on my cell phone from a friend of ours who is a special needs person. His name is Ernest. He lives in Clarksville, Tennessee, sang at his church, and he just loves to call us and sing songs that he's written for the Lord. He's just precious. Uh, the kind of person that you feel that not a lot of people, even in the church, give him a lot of time, but we honor him. He wanted to sing in every state in the United States over the phone because he can't travel. And with us, I don't know how many states he sang at, but he he, he wrote a song for every state. It's just incredible. And they're just beautiful songs to the Lord. And he said, I don't know if you ever get to New York City. I go, yeah, we get to New York City. He, and this was just a year after 9-11 or two. And he said, I'd love to sing at Ground Zero. So we did that. We, we stood at Ground Zero and held up the phone and he sang right there at Ground Zero. So it was awesome for him and a privilege for us. But he had called me that next day. He goes, Randy, how are you, how are you guys doing? I go, we're doing good. Thanks, Ernest. He goes. I don't know if you believe in visions. I go, Yeah, they're in they're in the Bible. So I believe them. He goes, Yeah. Yeah, God gave me a vision last night. And he's a real humble guy. So he's he's never brags about anything. So it wasn't braggadocious. He said, Yeah, last night about 10 o'clock. I instantly knew where we were at 10 o'clock the night before, sitting there at that horrible accident. And he said, Yeah, um. God just gave me this vision, and I saw your RV. And there were angels all around it. Just choke up thinking about it. And he said, I tried to count them. I couldn't even count them. He said they were just all around your RV. He said, so I prayed for you. I said, thank you. So, gave him all the details, every detail. I was just blown away. And him in his simple faith said, yep. <laughs> like, this happens about twice every day for me. It just woke me up again to the spirit realm that is so important to acknowledge. And... Um, I want you to hear me. Uh, like the book says, bad things happen to good people. And it doesn't mean you're in judgment. But God is uh, a protector. He's a provider. And we are to always stay connected with him, however he provides for us. Whatever tough things may come our way. But when we know he's protecting us, we, we just give him thanks and say, I continue to find refuge in, in the shadow of your wings lord i do 1st corinthians 13:12 1st corinthians 13:12 says now we see things imperfectly i love this description of paul and and we think maybe paul had a, an eyesight problem himself so this really resonated with him now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror this is again 1st corinthians 13:12 but then we will see everything with perfect clarity when we're with Jesus, right? All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. So he's saying, oh, we can't see everything. In fact, what we do see is just so partial. It's just so dim, like in a mirror that's dim. Uh, But there's a day that we will see uh, clearly. So we must admit that we can't see, what we can't see is more real than what we can. So this brings us back again to the question, um, and you can do that next slide. Why do so many Christians not believe? Or if they do believe, why do they not actively participate in spiritual warfare? We go to a lot of churches, a lot of different denominations, and uh, it's frightening um, how many of our brothers and sisters take this casually or just don't believe in this realm at all. And, I, and they're my brothers and sisters, but they don't want to tackle this question. Well, I think part of the reason is that Christians don't know the enemy or how he works, It has to be some of it, and I knew. I thought I got to get a Barna, you know, stat on this, and I knew it'd be sobering. And it is. This is what George Barna says: four out of ten Christians, that's forty percent, strongly agreed that Satan is not a living being; he's just a symbol, a symbol of evil. Forty percent of our brothers and sisters think he's a token. He represents just a, a name which represents evil. Wow. An additional 2 out of 10 Christians, 19%, said they agree somewhat with that perspective. A minority of Christians indicated that they believe Satan is real by, by disagreeing with the statement. Okay, so one quarter, 26%, disagreed strongly, and about one-tenth, 9%, disagreed somewhat. So only 20 per six, 26 percent disagreed strongly that he's he's not a symbol. The remaining eight percent were not sure what they believed about the existence of Satan. That that's a wake-up call. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> wow. And he's he's a leader in the Satan church. Yeah. Lucian Greaves. The Satanic Church in California. Yeah. We just saw a video, and if we can give you the link if you're interested. Okay. But b- what a trick of the enemy. <laughs> Even in the Satan church, hey, I don't I don't exist. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, man. So get this. Much like the perceptions of Satan, I looked this one up. Most Christians do not believe that the Holy Spirit is a living force, a person either. So you got both sides. Overall, 38% strongly agreed, and 20% agreed somewhat that the Holy Spirit is a symbol of God's power or presence, but not a living being, not an entity. Just one-third of Christians agreed that the Holy Spirit is a living force, one-third. And 9% weren't sure. So we need to be talking about this in our churches confidently because it's not a scary thing. It's just real, especially when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, where we get our power from. Now, I grew up in a, a small country church outside of Cleveland, Ohio. My folks still attend that church, um, good church. I got saved when I was eight years old. It was an August Sunday of 1973. Uh, So if you're doing the math, I'm 37 years old. Um, Please don't do the math. Um, I praise the Lord for that church. I really do, because they stood on God's word. We had vibrant hymn services. Um... All the spiritual disciplines were clear, and Jesus found me there. I'm forever grateful. I really am. Um, but we didn't talk a lot about spiritual warfare. When it would come up, it would just be an emphasis on do the spiritual disciplines, which isn't bad. You know, read your Bible. Pray. But not how. What, what parts of the Bible do I read, how do I pray. Just, just do what you're supposed to do. And you don't have to deal with that bad spirit realm. Okay, I'll do that. So there was not a whole lot of understanding on how Satan works. And then at the same time, there wasn't a a real understanding of how the Holy Spirit works. I mean, we acknowledged him as an equal part of the Trinity, absolutely. But what was his part? I think growing up, even through high school, all I could come up with is he illuminates the scriptures. He helps me to understand I did not understand that he's a person that is here. Jesus isn't here. He isn't. He's on the throne. It's clear. But he sent, according to his own words, the greater one. I can't. He can't come until I go. So I'm going to go, and I'm going to send you the greater one. This is a friend who will be omnipresent with you all, all the time. But churches, um, a lot of churches don't talk about the how. The how. I mean, you, you you talk about spiritual warfare or demons or evil spirits too much, or you talk about the Holy Spirit too much, and we we throw it on labels. Oh, you must go to that that full gospel. Okay, <laughs> you know. Okay, yeah, we're brothers sisters, but eh, you know. Um. 1 Peter 5 8. When we talk about the kingdom of darkness, and this is. Uh, next slide, I believe, if it's there. Yeah, who's the enemy? Satan is the enemy. Just to clarify. And then the next slide, I think, is 1 Peter 5 8. Yeah, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Peter is talking to what group of people? The church. The church. It's easy to read that as a young believer and go, oh, yeah, he's, he's active in the world and, and he's looking for people that don't know God to devour. No, he's looking for Christians to devour. Again, don't get scared. It's a part of the plan. Satan's the enemy, but he's not the arch enemy. Do you know what I mean? A lot of Christians believe over in this corner you have God the Father, over in this corner you have Satan. As if the powers are equal and they're warring against each other. Oh my goodness. Here's God the Creator who created that enemy as Lucifer, an angel, an archangel, which meant he had leadership, and I believe leadership in areas of worship. And he's just a creation. He had a birthday or a creation day. He had a start. That's who the enemy is. So let's keep it in perspective. That's, that should encourage us right there. It's not an arch enemy with equal powers. And you you know like Job, there's boundaries. Hey, you could do this, but you can't do this. God's calling the shots. And God's calling the shots with COVID-19, okay? There's nothing where God goes, oh, golly, I didn't know that was going to get to the states so quickly. Hmm, what do I do? He keeps the boundaries just as sure as he keeps the boundaries of the ocean in place. He is the rule maker and keeper. And I love that about him. So don't let me just say this now: whenever we 're talking about Satan, there's people that talk too much about him, and there's people that don't talk about him enough. Do you know what I mean? People could just like run every corner it 's like, "Oh that was oh, that was oh, a bug came and bit me. That must have been Satan." I said they see Satan around every corner. you're giving them too much credit. Come on." but also it's, it's equally as, as dangerous to not talk about him at all. You got to know your enemy or else you don't know how to battle him. So 2 Corinthians 11, this is our next slide 3 and 4 and also verse 14. So 2 Corinthians 11:3 and 4 and verse 14. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Now we know this is Paul talking to the Corinthians, very sinful <laughs> region, okay? very sinful culture, perverted in many, many ways. And he's urging the church, I'm concerned about you being pure, undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you Even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed, what's Paul saying? You're you're being a man pleaser. People are preaching a different Jesus. That's a time to say no, no, that is false, and you can do it lovingly, but you got to speak up. And that's what Paul he's he's saying. Hey, just like Eve was deceived, you're you're primed to be deceived. Guard yourself. Satan, he's got many titles. Deceiver is the top one. Satan is the deceiver, okay? Um, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. same region here. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. Paul says, but I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So he's an actor. So as we get to know our enemy, we've got to realize He's a wannabe. He always has been. Um an angel of light isn't an angel of light. He's masquerading. He is like, "Oh, I'm I'm going to provide some good things here." Uh he's also a disguiser and a poser, okay? So he's always pretending, always deceiving. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He was one of the most, very good point, very good point. The Bible is clear. He was one of the most beautiful angels. He had instruments built inside his body with gems and rubies and all the, and he was beautiful. Yeah, and that got into his will somehow, and he wanted to maintain that. Thank you. That's a good point. Um, He lost that, but he's posing as that again. Um he has to pretend to be something because he isn't anything. He's got to pretend to be something because he's nothing. I'm just going to rattle off some other titles, okay, without reading the whole verse. John twelve thirty one says he's the ruler of this world. Okay. Ephesians 2, 2, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. That, that region that I talked about. Some versions say air, power of the unseen air. Second Corinthians four four, the God of this world, and First John five nineteen, we know that we are of God, and the whole world is in the power of the evil one. The Bible often uses the terms the world or this world, uh, and I just want to clarify it's not referring to ownership. Uh, English language is very limiting when you put it next to the Greek or Aramaic. <coughs> it's such a deep language, Greek is. <coughs> um, so this is the best way to describe this world, the world, as if he owns it. He's allowed to roam it, not own it. What's the what? Yes. Um 1 John 5.19. 1 John 5.19. So, so I looked up the Holman Christian Study Bible defining the word world as the organized satanic system that is opposed to God and hostile to Jesus and his followers. It also refers to non-Christian culture, including governments, educational systems, and businesses. And we, we see how Satan is very active in all those areas, right? and he's allowed to be at this point. But we just need to know he has boundaries he's allowed to mess with. Uh, he's not given; It's not like he's king of the earth, but he's allowed to roam and do all within his power to disrupt, and we'll talk more about that. But the earth's domain really is temporarily given to Satan, and we're called to interfere. I love this verse, Mark 1, 24. Mark one twenty four. you know the story when Jesus casts out the, all the legions of demons in the man sends them into the pigs. It was interesting when we were sailing on the Sea of Galilee, uh, we, we kind of got to the middle of the lake and looked over at that region where you do see these cliffs going right off into the water. And our guide said that was probably right in that region where all those pigs ran off under their death. Just amazing. But Jesus says, I'm sorry, Jesus says this, but this is the demon talking, Mark 1, 24. The demon says, why are you interfering with us? I love that. <laughs> why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Hmm. I know who you are the holy one of god it's interesting isn't it they they know who jesus is they know they're going to be destroyed is this the time and if it isn't why are you interfering with us <laughs> so jesus has won the war against satan it's already done um now we must endure various battles until the Lord ushers in the end times. So in the physical world, you have a series of battles that ultimately climax to a final victory of the war. God's kingdom is not bound by a timeline. We, we have to think in, in, in sequential order. We have to think of time. I'll start here because I'm going from left to right. So here we think this was way earlier. This is, and now we're, we're going through the years. And this is the Old Testament. Now we come to Jesus. Who wins the war by dying, was buried, when he was resurrected, picture Satan, it's over. All his plans of what he thought, I mean, that was it. Now, post-cross in resurrection we're going through and we hit 2020 where we are, why are we still in battles if the war is won? Because in the realm of God, there's no timeline. It all is a part of his plan. So we have to endure battles for a time until Satan is finally thrown into the lake of fire. So God's counting on us to be uh, faithful to, to that. And, and it's not, we don't have to fear. We can have victory every day. Every moment, okay? I want to speed through these last couple. Hebrews 2.14, if you want to write that down. Hebrews 2.14, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death until that moment. So death is swallowed in victory. Amen? That was the moment. And and we can count on it. <clears throat> I want us to touch on who we are. I want to get into this just for a minute or two because then we'll break. Sometime before God created... Adam and Eve and all of the creation of Genesis 1. Sometime before then, Satan as Lucifer fell. So his sin, the, the first sin wasn't Adam and Eve. The first human sin was Adam and Eve. The first sin was Lucifer wanting to grab that power, wanting to be like God, wanted to be God. Yeah, he thought if God can do it, I can do it. And so that had happened before humans came around. Now we're special, right? You agree? Why are we special? We are made in God's image. There's no creation that's made in God's image. Right now, the angels are a little bit above us in heaven. We will be above the angels because we are made in God's image. We will, um, we will have uh, work to do in heaven. We will have leadership in heaven over galaxies we don't it's hard to even understand what we're going to be doing but it's all planned and we are made in God's image so we are special and what was satan's temptation to eve oh if you eat that you'll be like god guess what she already was like god you'll know good and evil well she already knew good she didn't know evil yet until she bit the apple then she knew evil But here's the lies. The very thing Satan wanted. He wanted to be God. He wanted to be like God. So he sees us. He had to be ticked. He had to be so angry. Here's God the creator creating humans in his image. That's what I wanted. So Satan's target is the human race. If, if that was just the whole motivation, there it is. People that don't know Jesus as their Savior, he wants to keep them that way. People that do know Jesus, he wants to make them ineffective in God's kingdom. He wants you to be ineffective, no power, no, no witnessing draw at all to the lost around you. If we as Christians are comfortable in this world, we fit in just fine. We have no rubs with people. I would be very concerned if I was you. (laughs) We're not supposed to fit in. Right? This is not our when it's not your home, there's this perpetual feeling of we're just visiting, (laughs) we're just traveling through. We're breathing, so God has work for us, but this isn't the destination, it's not the goal. Um, but yes, yes we're just passing through that's That's a great song. Um, so there there should be people that don't know Jesus that has uh, a problem with you, not that you're stirring up problems, but just your peace. You have a loved one die, and they just see you smiling and peaceful. And they're thinking, what? They know we're different, and so we're a natural enemy, especially empowered by Satan. We're a target. A couple other verses, and we're going to close. John 10.10, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. John 17.14 I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. That's the awesome prayer of Jesus, his final prayer in the garden. John 15:19. the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Like I said, I'm, I'm a natural, uh, I'm a phlegmatic uh, personality type. Raise your hands if you know you're phlegmatic. Anybody understand what those are? Sanguine. Marley's a sanguine. She's a party just waiting to happen. Okay. The more fun the better. Uh, there's melancholy. Anybody? Okay. And choleric is the other one. Choleric, strong leadership. Well, I'm a phlegmatic. One of the main uh, characteristics of a phlegmatic is peace at all costs. So it's easy for me if I have a rub with somebody or somebody has a problem with me, I just feel so bad. I just want to fix it at all costs. And so I'm tempted to even come outside of Scripture and just smooth things over, just not to have a a fight. I, I don't like to fight, right? So it's good to know how you're wired because like a cleric, who is really good with leadership, they could bowl somebody over. And you don't want to do that either. You don't want to soften and give, in, give an end to something that's not true. And you don't want to bowl people, people over. Um, but it's just good to grab onto the thought, and we're going to end with this. We're not supposed to fit in to this world. We're not. We just are not. And it's okay. That stirs that hunger in us for when we will all be made perfect new heaven, new earth, new bodies. And likewise, if you rest in that, don't don't underestimate the power of the Spirit through you. Sometimes you go, yeah, I'm not good at witnessing. There's very few of us with the gift of evangelism that just they have to do it. That's okay. No shame. Just be ready with an answer. Be ready with an answer, in season and out of season. Um, I remember us being tired one time going into a grocery store, and we we looked like whew, exhausted. We administered, we were traveling. We just we needed milk and eggs. Just go in and get milk and eggs. Get back in the RV. Let's just let's get to our destination and fall asleep. So we're all just dragging through the store late at night, and we get to the. There was only one cash register open because it was so late, and this lady's just her head's down she's just kind of taking our items through and I'm standing there and I, I look horrible and she stops and she's she she's staring at me like like I'm Tom Cruise. Do you ever get that? I get that all the time. <laughs> so I was about to say, "No, I'm not Tom Cruise." And this is what she said. "What do you have that I need?" and i just stood there and i thought lord you just never take a break you just are flowing and i just had the opportunity real quick just to say you're feeling the holy spirit it's the love of jesus he loves you so much and you're feeling him i'm exhausted you're not feeling anything about me you're feeling him so you just to be ready with a word but in the spirit realm a dying world is attracted to what we have but they're also convicted because if we're right, then they're wrong, and that's not popular. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for these words and your scripture that guides us so tenderly, so gently with power and with truth. Lord, I just pray that we hold on. Maybe there's a certain scripture that just really spoke to somebody that they may just grab it, memorize it, and, and be their strength. Where we need you, Lord, put a, put a light on it and, and say you can build this in us. You can, you can recreate in us uh, to be more in your image today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, folks, for coming. See you tomorrow. See you at lunch.